0: Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in what's been a very hot time in Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I'm hoping that all of you listening are staying cool through this heat wave that is the month of June. And today we look to celebrate the third Sunday after Trinity, this Sunday, the 20th of June. And in this part of the Trinity season, as we said last week, we continue to focus on the Church of the Spirit. We look at how the, how the Spirit builds the Church and works within her. And this morning we see in the Gospel lesson how the Spirit gives life to the Church and makes her flourish. In Luke 15, In fact, the Pharisees pretty much say it without realizing it. They look at Jesus and they try to accuse him by saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. (laughs) Which is exactly right. That's what he does. But while they mean it as an insult and an accusation, this is the church. This is how the Spirit builds the church. Jesus then teaches this in two parables that we'll hear this morning, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. So how does the Spirit build the church? By the Word of God going out through the church and finding those who are lost, those who are sinners. And then, by Christ, in baptism, our Lord puts those sinners, those of us that are lost, on his shoulders. He brings them into the church, and when he does that, all the hosts of heaven celebrate and rejoice with each sinner that is found and each sinner that repents. That's how the Spirit builds the church. And how does the Spirit make the church flourish? When through the words of the supper, Christ is brought to us in the bread and wine where Christ receives us and eats with us at the table of the altar. So we'll hear more about this in the gospel lesson and the sermon here in just a bit. But for now, we turn to our matin service, which begins with the hymn, Today Your Mercy Calls Us. thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
1: And are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. sea is his, and he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be.
0: World without end. Amen. The true God. 1 in 3 and 3 in 1. O come, let us worship him. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I have put my trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. The Old Testament lesson for this third Sunday after Trinity is written in the seventh chapter of the book of the prophet Micah, beginning at the eighteenth verse. Who is a God like you, who pardons iniquity? and passes over the disobedience of the remnant of his heritage. He doesn't retain his anger forever, because he delights in loving kindness. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. And you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob, and mercy to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. He hath delivered my soul in peace. The epistle is written in the fifth chapter of the first epistle of St. Peter, Beginning at the 6th verse. Brothers, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your worries on him, because he cares for you. Be sober and self-controlled. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Withstand him, steadfast in your faith, knowing that your brothers who are in the world are undergoing the same sufferings. But may the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, then perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant, give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The holy gospel is according to Saint Luke, the fifteenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming close to Jesus to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He told them this parable. Which of you men, if you had one hundred sheep and lost one of them, wouldn't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he found it? When he has found it, he carries it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that even so, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has ten drachma, that is silver coins, If she lost one drachma coin, wouldn't light a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she found it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the drachma which I had lost. Even so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner repenting. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, THY WORD IS A LAMP UNTO MY FEET, AND A LIGHT UNTO MY PATH. I BELIEVE IN GOD THE FATHER ALMIGHTY, MAKER OF HEAVEN AND EARTH. AND IN JESUS CHRIST HIS ONLY SON OUR LORD, WHO WAS CONCEIVED BY THE HOLY SPIRIT, BORN OF THE VIRGIN MARY, SUFFERED UNDER Pontius PILATE, WAS CRUCIFIED, DIED, AND WAS BURIED. HE DESCENDED INTO HELL. THE THIRD DAY HE ROSE AGAIN FROM THE DEAD. HE ASCENDED INTO HEAVEN of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, in another life, long before I was ordained, I worked as a delivery driver for, of all places, Domino's. Now, other than the fact that it beat up my car, and I always smelled like pizza, it was a great job. We worked closely with the owner. We made pizza, we delivered pizza, we got all kinds of tips. I loved it. And part of making pizzas, well, part of that was always refilling containers with the ingredients. So you had to bring out these huge bags of sauce or pepperoni or sausage or cheese and dump those bags into the containers. And I'll never forget the one time there was a gal I worked with that was refilling the containers with cheese. And we were busy, so she filled it up quick, and when she was done, she threw the bag on the counter to be thrown away. And this huge bag of cheese maybe had, I don't know, half a handful of cheese left in it yet. So, for us busy workers, it wasn't really anything. But when the owner saw how much was in it, he ran over as if there was an emergency, grabbed the bag of cheese, pulled my co-worker aside, and had a talk with her. And there, with, with her right there, he made sure to dump all the cheese into the container until there was nothing left in the bag. And he turned and he said to her, You see this as just a little bit of cheese, and you think it's nothing. But to me, he said, that's money that'll pay for my son's college. The business lesson to be learned from that was, No bit of ingredient, no bit of inventory, no bit of product can be wasted if you are to make a buck. And that's true for every business, every position that you work in, no matter your job, whether you're a cashier, a bookkeeper, a painter, a farmer, whatever, every last penny must be accounted for. Every bit of product or yield or inventory must be kept and sold. If you're going to make money doing business, this is the way it has to be. And, well, the Pharisees in our gospel story knew this as well as anybody. Now, the Pharisees were religious and political leaders. They were well-educated. They knew the scriptures. But most of all, they loved being cultural elites. They loved being held in high esteem above other men, and they loved money. And with that, they had good business sense. They knew how to make a buck to get the money that they loved. We can see how they loved being a elite in this story, as tax collectors and sinners approached Jesus to hear him, and Jesus himself seemed not only to welcome them, but seemed to have been waiting for them, expecting them desiring that they would come. And so in our story, the Pharisees sneer at Jesus like clucking hens by saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Which sounds harsh, but to be fair to the Pharisees, these tax collectors and sinners were not necessarily your everyday average Joes. They were sinners involved in callous, offensive, gross public sins the type of sins that offend God and man alike. Tax collectors, for instance, worked for the Roman enemy and openly robbed their fellow Jews by collecting more in taxes than is necessary and keeping the extra for themselves. The sinners mentioned here were perhaps the ones doing such horrible things that they were disowned by their families. They were openly social outcasts, Maybe they were sexually promiscuous, or divorced many times over, or prostitutes, or known liars, known cheats. These are the reputations which these sinners coming to Jesus held. And then here was Jesus, welcoming them with open arms to his table to teach them and eat with them. The Pharisees, of course, being righteous, being elite men of stature and money, would have nothing to do with such company. To be seen with such people would be to ruin their reputations of being righteous. It would ruin their profitability. In this light, knowing how their reputations would be damaged, how it would hurt their income. Well, because of this, they have nothing but contempt and disgust for Jesus. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so, as the tax collectors and sinners approach and sit near Jesus, our Lord directs a parable at these Pharisees, these lovers of money. And he says, what man of you, Now, as you have heard that parable, remember the good business sense that we talked about before. You don't waste the cheese. You count every penny. You make use of the entire product or the yield. You use the whole hog, so to speak. So for those who love money, this parable, the man in this parable, what he does makes good business sense. If you lose even one of your 100 sheep, you're going to go out to find it because that sheep is money. It's money for wool, money for meat, and so on. For the Pharisees, of course they would rejoice in finding a sheep, a lost sheep, because it means that they got their money back. They didn't lose a buck. And right after this parable, Christ delves right into another one, again directed at the Pharisees. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost." Now, if you've ever worked and closed up a cash register for the night or counted money as a bookkeeper, you know how important it is to count every penny, to find every penny. And if you've lost one, you get down on your hands and knees, you turn on the flashlight, and you sweep under every piece of furniture to find it so that you can balance out your drawer. We understand that. The Pharisees understand this as well, especially when it's a valuable silver coin and not just a mere penny. So, of course, the Pharisees understand why the shepherd and the woman rejoiced, because they were making money. They were keeping their money. They were finding their money. All of that makes sense to the elite who are lovers of money. And the way the Pharisees see the sheep and the silver coin in the parables is the same way, oddly enough, that they saw these tax collectors and sinners merely as objects to be used to keep themselves righteous above men and to get themselves rich. And don't we as the church at some times do likewise? How often is there the temptation to want to be known as the church in town, to be the church with the most elite status, to be the one where everyone new to town comes to because it's the first one they hear about, and it's the one with the reputation as being either the big thing in town or the next big thing in town. How often is there the temptation as a church to want our numbers to swell so we may be the biggest church in our area? But only with the people that have the best reputations, not with the people whose lives are a mess because of lewd sins. We want to be big. We want to be elite. But only with the right people. Only with those with good reputations that can also fill our coffers and grow our budget to be a multi-million dollar one. After all, that only makes good business sense, doesn't it? Isn't building a church in this way the best way to make a buck? By getting the most you can out of the people in the pews, and by getting more people in the pews? Sure, it would be seen those in the pews as objects like the Pharisees did, but as long as the church can sell what they are buying, then our congregation could be seen as righteous among men, could be seen as elite, could be seen as rich beyond measure. There's just one problem with how the Pharisees understand these parables, and if we understand the church in this way, like they do. It means that neither the Pharisees nor we are hearing what Christ is really saying and what he says at the end of these parables. At the end of the first parable, he says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Just so I tell you, he says at the end of the second parable, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You see, Jesus, with how he ends these parables, he completely destroys the Pharisees' understanding of them and how they see the world and the sinners around them. These parables aren't about good business sense or making a buck. They're not about being elite or righteous before men or about being the biggest church in town or the next best thing. These parables are about Christ coming to save the lost. About how he values the lost so much, how he loves them so much that he comes to find them. These parables are about the Christian religious leaders, and the church going out with the word of God to find the lost. Because you see, a Pharisee or a teacher or a church that exists to be righteous before men instead of in the word of God is like salt that has lost its taste and saltiness. It is good only for the manure pile and to be thrown away. Because you see, those who are righteous before men and not before God, while they may not be gross sinners like those with the reputation of the tax collectors and sinners, those who are righteous before men and not before God are still sinners, but of a different type. They're hypocrites. And Jesus is here in these parables calling all sinners, gross sinners or hypocrite sinners, sinners to repentance. The shepherd with 100 sheep doesn't care for the sheep for how much unrighteous money they're worth. The shepherd in this parable cares for the sheep. He loves the sheep because they are his sheep. So he goes out to find the sheep. He leaves his throne in heaven. He is conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary so that he can go out and find his sheep in the wilderness, to find you in this world. Not because you hold value to anyone else in this world, not because he wants some unrighteous worldly wealth from you, not because you may or may not be righteous before men, but because he desired to make you his own. In the waters of baptism, where he put you on his shoulders, there he bore you on his whole body. As he put your sins on the arms of the cross, poured out his blood, was pierced for you. In the waters of baptism, he took away your sin, and he brought you home into the church. And as he ascended into heaven, through endless ranks of angels and sat at the right hand of the father there christ says in heaven ascended rejoice with me for i have found my sheep that was lost and so when you were found in baptism heaven rejoiced at christ's lead and why did christ do all this because he desired to receive and welcome us lost sinners and eat with us at the altar. He wants us to come close to him so we can hear him, hear his teachings, receive his teachings, and eat with him at the altar. And as Christ is, so is his church, whom he has poured his spirit out on. For his church is the woman who has the ten silver coins because it's the church of the Spirit who lights the lamp for the lost by the preaching of the gospel. It is the church of the Spirit who sweeps the house for the lost by cleansing sinners in the font, who seeks diligently for the lost by praying to the Father for the lost, whether there are those who've fallen away from the church or who have never been found. And so the church prays for them without ceasing, searching diligently. And why does she, why does the church do this? So that by the word and the sacraments, the lost may be found. The spirit through her may bring them to Christ so that she can bring these lost sinners by repentance through baptism and the word of catechesis to then eat with her at the altar. Whether the repentant are gross sinners or hypocrites, She wants to find them. Such a woman, such a church, is a salty church, full of the salt of the word that tastes the goodness of the Lord. By the divine mercy of Christ crucified and the church of the Spirit, our Father in heaven finds us and restores us to himself by having us be found. And as he does, every time we repent, every time the church baptizes or confirms others into the faith, or every time the church comes to the altar, there are the angels of heaven amidst us, celebrating with joy by our side over even one sinner who repents, who is found by Christ, who is found by the church none of this is good business sense. None of this will make us righteous before men. It's certainly not using all of the cheese, so to speak. And that's okay, because it's even better. This is the joy of heaven, which is now ours for those of us who have been found. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
1: the right
0: but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. O God, the protector of all that trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that you, being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your Church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our Judges and Magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace." All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work, and when our last hour shall come, support us by your power, and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm, and we beseech thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Does it for another week of our Matins podcast service? And we thank God that you were able to join us this morning. Now, a quick note about next week I will be on vacation as soon as I am done with church and everything today, and I'll be on vacation through next Sunday. And because of that, Reverend Glenn Bomer will be filling in for me at Christ the King next week. Now, we'll still post the Matins podcast, but It won't be Sunday morning. It'll be either Monday or Tuesday after that when I'm back from vacation and can publish it when I'm back in my church study. So we'll be back next week, but with a different preacher and on a different day. All the hymns for this service that you heard this morning come from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook, or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.